Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 160 called Brie. Today's episode is sponsored by Mira. If you're trying to conceive, listen up. According to Mira, you can get pregnant faster by tracking your ovulation and hormones using the Mira Fertility Tracker. Mira is a super cute palm-sized device that measures your actual hormone concentrations with 99% lab-grade accuracy. With Mira, you don't have to go to the clinic to get expensive or painful tests to know when you're ovulating, and you don't have to rely on traditional OPKs that don't always give you your accurate readings. Instead, you can test with your urine samples in the comfort of your own home. Mira is great because even if you have irregular cycles, PCOS, or hormone imbalances, it'll still accurately predict your ovulation and six-day fertility window. For now, Mira measures your LH, estrogen, and progesterone hormones and syncs your readings to the app in easy-to-understand charts. But Mira is designed to be expandable, which means it will support more hormone readings in the future, which you'll be able to test using the same analyzer. Get pregnant quicker, forget the guesswork, and maintain your fertility health with Mira. Order the Mira Starter Kit or the Mira Plus Bundle online at miracare.com, that's M-I-R-A-C-A-R-E.com, and use promo code Allie, A-L-I, to get 10% off. Again, it's miracare.com, promo code Allie. Thanks, Mira. This episode is supported by Receptiva DX. The Receptiva DX test can help couples struggling with unexplained infertility. Getting pregnant isn't easy, as so many of you know. Many couples struggle with infertility, and unexplained infertility can be particularly frustrating. Women facing unsuccessful IVF may not know that endometriosis is the underlying cause, a disease that can impact the success rates of IVF treatments and often has no symptoms. The Receptiva DX test can help identify endometriosis before an embryo transfer, and it has the potential to save women the stress, anxiety, and cost of multiple failed IVF attempts. The good news is multiple studies show treatment of women with a positive Receptiva DX test improves live birth outcomes by over 50%. Receptiva DX can detect all stages of endometriosis and help women make better decisions in planning for pregnancy. You can learn more at ReceptivaDX.com or download their app, which is also called Receptiva DX. All right, guys. So today my guest Bree is going to tell us all about her fertility journey, which she describes as a roller coaster ride that nobody prepared her for. So Brie is going to tell us about her partner, who is 21 years older than her, and what happened when he had a reverse vasectomy. She is also going to talk about problems that arose with her fertility and his fertility, and the judgment that they got from people around them, and so much more. So I don't want to give too much away. I will let her tell you guys in her own words. Without further ado, this is Brie's infertility story. All right. All right. What's going on, Brie? Thank you so much for doing this. Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. (laughs) So let's just start right at the beginning with you. Did you always want to be a mom? Oh my goodness. I knew you were going to ask this. I know, right? Very predictable. Yeah. But I need to, I need to know the context and how badly people want this. Oh my goodness. Uh, Yes. Times 10 times a hundred. If I could say that Um, when I was growing up, I was one of five. 
I have four siblings. And when my youngest brother was born, I was about 12 and I was his little mama. I would wake up at night to help my mom. I knew I wanted to be a mom. If you would ask anybody in my family, they would say she's going to have, you know, a whole slew of kids. (laughs) I love little mama. That's so cute. So tell me flashing forward. Mm -hmm. Tell me about when you and your husband got married. Sure. So when my husband and I met, it was a little bit unconventional, but we didn't date very long. We ended up eloping because we just knew this was right. (laughs) So we got married in 2013. And something interesting that I'll get into a little bit later of our story is my husband is actually 21 years older than me. Okay. So when we first met... I don't think we really connected that there was that big of an age difference. I knew that he already had children from a previous marriage, Mm -hmm. but I never put together how old they were. So turns out they were definitely older than what I assumed. Okay. Um, But we were already so in love. And so like, we want to be together forever. So we went ahead and eloped regardless of the age difference. Mm-hmm. So did you guys talk about having kids? You know, did he know how badly you wanted them? Uh, not at first. So before we got married, absolutely. Yes. But when we were first casually dating, I had brought it up a couple of times that, you know, that's something in my life I've always wanted. And it was definitely a pain point of our relationship. We actually had split up for a little bit while we were dating and started dating other people because he came out to me and said, I don't think I want any more kids. I'm done having kids. And at that point, he also told me that he had had a vasectomy, which Mm. we'll talk about a little bit later when we, when we get into that, but you know, that was something that was really painful for me. And it was a deal breaker, even though I was in love with him. I said, I can't move forward. I've always wanted to be a mom. Mm -hmm. Did you talk about, well, you can reverse that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's Uh, not exactly a little bit early dating conversation. Right. But yes, it's true. It's true. And, you know, he had just kind of flat out said, I'm done having kids. So at that point I was like, well, then there's no reason to continue this. And it was very hard for both of us, but what ended up happening is we could not stay away from each other. So (laughs) even though we kind of thought our futures don't look like they're going to align here, we just couldn't stay away from each other. We were constantly still calling each other and texting and this, you know, in 2013, a little bit before that, we were doing uh, Skype a lot okay. <laughs> so we could yeah. see each other. Uh, we both had crazy work schedules. So, you know, we just couldn't stay away. So we were knew you, at that point there was something special. Were you dirty Skyping, Brie? <laughs> <laughs> I plead the, I plead okay. the fair. Yeah. fair. <laughs> um, all right. So I know that eventually you told me in an email that he did eventually change his mind. So tell me what the progression was to get to that point. So when we couldn't really stay away from each other, I brought up the conversation again, because I was telling him how much I love him. And he's telling me how much he loves me. And I said, well, the only way I'm going to move forward with this is if I can have a family with you. And he did have, you know, previous children, he had three older boys. Mm -hmm. And I said, I hadn't met them even yet. When we got married, I had not even met them. So Mm -hmm. it was definitely interesting there. Mm -hmm. But I said, you know, I will love them because I've always wanted to be a mom. So I'll be their stepmom, but I really want my own child. And so he kind of came around to the idea of, you know, okay, let's do this together. Let's build something that's between us. Mm -hmm. And I definitely told him from day one, please do not do this just because I'm telling you 
that I want this. I wanted to make sure he was fully on board as well. So the day that he proposed to me, I pretty well knew, okay, he's on board now because I told him we're not getting married unless I can have a baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, he definitely came around after we had talked more about what it would look like, our future would look like um, with or without children. How old were you guys when you started to try? I was 24, which Mm -hmm. seems super young. You know, I've, I've listened to a lot of different, a lot of episodes of your podcast and 24 is still seems really young, but before, once we got married, what we decided to do was talk to a doctor about getting his vasectomy reversed. We wanted to try naturally as long as we could before we had to use intervention, any sort of fertility things. And what happened is we went to a doctor that did the full workup on him and said, listen, it's been 15 years. It would have been 15 years at that point since he had had the actual vasectomy. Mm. And they were very honest with us and said, it may or may not work. We're not really sure. Before we go forward with this, I needed to get a full fertility workup from my doctor because Mm -hmm. they really laid it out on the table. Like if we do this and it's successful, we need to make sure that your wife is ready to go, even though she is still young. So I went forward with that and did the full workup and got full clearance from my doctor. Okay. So everything looked good on your end. Yeah. Everything looked great. Um, I even had, you know, the HCG where they put the dye and checked, like my tubes were open. Everything was great. So we thought good to go. All right. Full steam ahead. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I was like, okay, let's do this. What but guess they... what listeners <laughs> yeah. considering that well, you're on yes. this show, <laughs> not really exactly as smoothly as it went. Right. Yes. And when we were doing the reversal, we found out it was not covered by our insurance. So the testing and the visits and everything up to the reversal was covered, but the actual procedure to get his vasectomy reversed was not covered. Mm -hmm. And it was 10 to $12,000 out of pocket. Okay. So when we went to that first initial meeting, after we got married, we came back out of it and was, you know, we were thinking, how are we going to come up with this chunk of cash, you know, it's just, you basically have to write a check to them or put it on a credit card. And, and that's really hard. We had just gotten married. We wanted to buy a house. And, you know, even though he was older, we were still thinking about those things. So once we had the money to go ahead and go forward with it, it wasn't until 2016. Okay. So in 2016, it was July and it was right after my birthday. I remember, I still Mm -hmm. remember that. And And how old had you turned? Uh, 20... Like, I'm just going to keep making you do math. I know. You need to I get a calculator like, out. <laughs> like, I don't think I was right on my date earlier either because I was 25. <laughs> so I just turned 25. So he went ahead. We went ahead and we did the reversal. And the doctor, I remember the doctor coming out and talking to me. It was a seven hour surgery. So my cousin actually had come to my house. We live right outside of DC and my family all lives back in Ohio. So my cousin had come to visit and kind of keep me company and calm my nerves. I was a ball of nerves that day. Mm -hmm. And I remember the doctor coming out and she's saying, well, it was successful. We have two open tubes for him. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is the greatest thing ever. Mm -hmm. I remember that day getting him a little basket with some goodies for recovering. And I put a pregnancy test in there and you know, that I was going to use. And right. 
I was so excited and (laughs) yeah. So, you know, the recovery was rough. It was very, very rough. I didn't realize how hard it was going to be because the surgery was so microscopic Mm -hmm. and there was just a lot of, you know, recovery that I had to help him with. So I felt kind of bad afterwards. Mm, thinking, okay. Oh, you just did this, but right. So fast forward a couple months in October. So that happened in July. And then in October, I started feeling kind of funny. You know, we were given the clear to start trying, but his, you know, sperm count was pretty low still because it has to work its way back up, you know? Mm-hmm. And in October, I was feeling kind of funny. So I was like, well, I'm just going to take a pregnancy test. Who knows? And it came back positive. Whoa. And I was thinking, yeah, exactly. Whoa, this was, it was this fast. Why didn't we do this years ago? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I was, you know, I just remember crying and thinking, there's no way that this is happening this fast. So I called my doctor, set up the appointment and you know, probably two weeks went by or so, and I couldn't even sleep because all I could think about was, oh my goodness, I'm actually pregnant. Oh my goodness, I'm actually pregnant. I couldn't even sleep. Right. And as soon as I got used to the idea of being pregnant, I started bleeding. So I was thinking, well, maybe this is normal. I had never been pregnant before. Mm -hmm. And so I called my doctor and they said, well, we're going to keep your appointment. If you are still pregnant. There's nothing really that we can do to help you at this point because you're so early. I was only probably at that point, just turning six weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. And they said, and if you are unfortunately miscarrying, there's also nothing we can really do. If you start bleeding heavy, go to the ER. Yeah. And that was pretty much that. Cause when I went in for my appointment, which was horrible because they had not noted in the chart that I had called with the possible miscarriage. I went in and the nurse was instantly congratulating me. And Oh God. Yes. Yes. Brought me into the room with the ultrasound machine. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. I, this, Oh, this is worse. I'm so sorry that happened to you. I've talked (laughs) to people that that's happened to before and that's, they're like, congratulations. Mm. And you're like, no, I'm literally having a miscarriage. Yeah. 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 And then, and then like the whole demeanor changes and they're like, okay, well, when did you stop bleeding? And let's get, you know, everything charted out. And what we did is the doctor I was seeing at the time, which I ended up switching later on, but the doctor I was seeing at the time just ordered a bunch of blood work to see where all my levels were and everything was pretty well falling off. So it was just you know, Mm. decided it was a miscarriage and they called it a chemical pregnancy. Yeah. But I totally agree with what you have said in the past where Mm -hmm. a loss is a loss. Like it felt like a loss of an idea. And and Mm -hmm. I know that that might sound strange, but Mm -mm. you know, I couldn't sleep because I was dreaming of all of these things that were going to happen finally for us. And then it's just gone in a matter of it felt like in a matter of minutes. Yeah. So hundred percent. it was yeah. really rough after that. And the doctor had told me, okay, we're going to send you to an RE because of his sperm count is so low. And then my progesterone had come back really low. And she's like, let's just send you over there. Just go talk to them. See if there's something that they can help you with. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, great. This is our next step. But I still remember that day leaving her office and her saying to me, I think that you'll be able to get pregnant within three months. Mm. And I was thinking, oh, great. I can do that. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. 
And I had that in my head for the next three months when it didn't happen, that it was never going to happen. Right. I thought after that three months, like, oh no, I, I, it didn't happen. Why did she tell me that if it's not going to happen? Yeah, exactly. And it was, yeah, devastating. Uh-huh. So from there, we went to our uh, first RE appointment and we saw the head of the guy there, which was, it, it was shocking to me that he had an opening and he was like the, the head doctor at this clinic. And we sat down with him and he was very, very matter of a fact, like matter of fact, and said with his sperm count and what I'm seeing in your blood work, IVF is your only option. Mm. And we both looked at each other like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we just were pregnant. <laughs> why, right. why are we, why are we talking about this now? Yeah. And it, that was a very, very rough time for us because we had just spent, you know, almost $12,000 on the reversal and right. they're already bringing in this paperwork that says, okay, if you want to get started, this is the amount of money that oh you my need God. to I know. down. And as much it, as it sucks that money is sometimes such a deterrent to go through treatment and stuff. It, I mean, the fact of the matter is it is right. I mean, it's oh, so, yes, it's so freaking expensive and so many people don't have coverage. So just noting mm-hmm. that like, you know, if you had all the money in the world, it would be such a different story, but it's always yeah. such a prohibitor for so many people, including myself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's one of those things that you start to look at. And I still remember my husband saying, how do we put a price on a baby? Totally. How, how do you decide that? Yeah. So we decided to, you know, when we spoke to the doctor and told him we were not ready to go forward with IVF yet, he said, well, I will go ahead and monitor your next two cycles and let's just see where you fall. Let me see what your ovulation is like. Let's just monitor you the next two cycles. I said, great. And we went forward with that and we found that my ovulation was all over the place. And one month I didn't ovulate and the next month I was late ovulating. So trying to predict it at home, even with the kits, because you know, I tried everything. Right, um, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, the, my smiley face never blinked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still remember that. So, you know, we just thought, okay, well, what are we going to do? The doctor basically said to us, okay, let's get another sperm analysis done, see where he lands, and then you guys can make a decision. We did that. And just to give some context here, because I I don't know if other people really have been through, you know, any vasectomy reversals, or I know sperm count with male factor, but his counts were around 8 million and normal is, you know, can be up to 200. (laughs) So we were definitely on the lower side. For sure. And Uh after that, we decided to take a break. We needed some time to reevaluate and decide, are we going to do this? Right. And is, is this going to work? And in the back of our heads, we're still thinking, well, maybe there's a chance we could get pregnant naturally Mm -hmm. because we had before. So that was kind of the, the point where we had to really stop and think, what is our life going to look like? either mm-hmm. way yeah, and decide and decide what to do, which is so hard because, you know, he did have children prior. So for him, it was definitely a lot easier to say, well, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Where me, who's always wanted to be a mom and mm-hmm. thinking, well, there's nothing wrong with me. It's you. <laughs> and right. it, it's hard to not have those feelings because you're in this, 
in this weird spot totally where you're trying to decide your future. <laughs> How yeah. do you decide that? Hundred percent. And but yeah. I think it is good to note that sometimes you do have to step away and kind of reevaluate because you get you know, on this path and on this track. And sometimes you have blinders on and it's like, you have to be like, do I still want this? Do we still want Mm -hmm. this? You know? And I think it's important for people to do that. It's easier said than done, but. And on his end with already having children, you know, who knows if there's other people who are listening, who might understand that too, which is for him, he had already experienced this and it was very hard for him to understand why I couldn't just say, well, it's okay if it doesn't happen. Totally. So that was definitely a pain point for us. And and we had many, many arguments, unfortunately, mm-hmm. trying to decide what to do. So what we did after that break was we actually called back to my insurance. I called my insurance and I said, I want to see a different doctor. I don't know who I can see, but I want to see a different doctor. They sent me to somebody else that we went to. And unfortunately that doctor could not help us. It was kind of the same, the same talk that we had had before. And I remember this doctor's appointment so clearly because my husband literally lost his shit in that office because mm-hmm. what did he say? Poor, what happened? The, well, the poor doctor was just trying to say, listen, this is all I can do. And I remember sitting on the table and he's, he was sitting there and he goes, I don't understand why nobody can help us. Mm-hmm. And she was, you know, this is our first appointment there. And she goes, I, I'm trying to tell you the ways I can help you. And he's like, I'm telling you, I don't want to do this. And they were going back and forth and back and forth. And before I knew it, my husband was standing up. Oh my and God. I'm like, okay, we need to, <laughs> it's yeah. okay. We're going to figure something out. Like I'm trying to stay calm. Right, right. <laughs> it's very hard. And that was the first time I really saw his emotion behind it. And it was a turning point for my mindset because I'm thinking, okay, he does want this as much as I want this. Because Mm -hmm. even though the arguments that we had had previously, it really made me understand that he was in this with me. Right. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So that made, as crazy as it was, (laughs) we did not go back there. It made me feel good leaving Mm -hmm. there, knowing that 100% we were in a partnership now because before I was, I was doubting. That makes sense. So what were they saying in terms of your protocol and stuff? Like what was going to happen next? So they were, so they had not really done any testing on me after those two months of monitoring. And except for doing the analysis on my husband, probably like every eight weeks or so, which he hated, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. he had to go do it so we could see where his numbers were. He got put on steroids. He got put on different vitamins, anything we could possibly do to up his count in motility, I think it's called, Mm -hmm. um, anything we could do to up it. And I would say it upped by like 2 million max, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that was something for us. Anytime it was more than what it was the previous time we were like, woohoo, this is the month. Totally. (laughs) And it didn't exactly happen that way, but what they wanted to do was go ahead and start IVF with me, you know, do an egg retrieval, go ahead and extract his sperm. They didn't even want to have him just provide a sample. They actually wanted to extract it from him to get the best of the best. Okay. And then go ahead. You know, they, they didn't really get much farther with that with us, like with exact medications, but that's what they wanted to do was just make our embryos. And then they thought I would have an okay time, um, getting pregnant. Yeah. Is that what happened? 
<laughs> no, 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 okay. sorry. <laughs> so we went back to the same clinic again, but a different doctor. So this doctor had been recommended to me and I love her. I did not get her okay to say her name on here, but okay. I, I loved her because when we walked into that office and we sat down, she had already read our chart. Mm. She knew what was going on. And the first thing that she said to me and looking at me in the eye, she said to me, what do you want to do? What is Ooh. it that you, what is it that you want to try? And I thought, I literally said to her, nobody's asked me that before. <laughs> and nobody's and, read my chart. We were just talking about yes. that fertility rally group the other night where, you know, you walk in, somebody had switched or gone from the REI to the OB and mm -hmm. like, they hadn't even read the file. They didn't know the background. They like were getting things wrong. And it's just so frustrating. Uh, it's like, you already feel like yes. you're part of a conveyor belt sometimes. And then mm -hmm. to go to an appointment and they don't know who you are or they, you know, they haven't studied what needs to happen. It's really, and all the money you're shelling out. It's like, Jesus. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it just felt like when, when somebody didn't know our chart, it felt like, oh my goodness. Okay. Where do you want me to start? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I can start here. I can start here. Mm -hmm. What do you want to know? And for her, she already knew it, which was awesome. And at this point, we were into December of 2017-ish. So we had already been a year and a half into this with different doctors and then our little break. And we were still trying during all that time. We were trying to time, you know, time intercourse this and track my ovulation, which ended up being all over the place and every month having that letdown. Mm -hmm. So when we finally saw her and she asked me that, I almost didn't know how to answer her. Because yeah, I, thought, I would have started I crying thought, and be like, I love you. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, wait, you're asking me, really? Right. Because I fully expected when we went into that appointment for her to say, okay, let's start your IVF. Mm -hmm. And for her to say that to me, it was just a game changer. Because I said, I think something's going on with my body now because his numbers are going up. I have gotten pregnant before, which I understand it may take a while, but I think something's going on with my body is not the same as mm -hmm. it was before. So she understood that she ended up doing a bunch of testing that day. By this point, I had lost about 40 pounds mm -hmm. um, because I was trying everything. My doctor told me to cut out caffeine, to lose weight, to make sure that I was doing you know, more veggies, more fruits, anything possibly. I was on all these vitamins. I had lost the 40 pounds mm -hmm. and I thought, wow, that's okay. huge. Yeah. That's <laughs> not easy. Doing everything. Yeah. No, I was doing everything I possibly could. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was thinking I'm going to make my body perfect. So when this happens, it's going to happen. Right. And so she started running a bunch of tests and she was saying, you have so many follicles when you go you know, in, in your cycle, you have so many follicles. And she was saying, you know, you kind of look like you might have PCOS potentially, mm -hmm. but I don't know because you don't have all the signs. So I said, okay. And I guess to diagnose PCOS, you have to have like three out of the four criteria, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. And she said, let's do a medicated cycle. We'll trigger your ovulation you guys go home as she called it, do the baby dance. And then yeah. you will come back to me and I'll check everything out. So we did that in January of 2017 for our first medicated cycle, did the trigger shot, got great follicles. 
timed everything, did everything the nurses said. I had great, great nurses too. And so uh, that January, unfortunately, I did have um, some HCG in my system, you know, when I went to do my beta test and, but it was very, very low, like a three. Mm. And the doctor was saying, well, you know, it has to be above five. Even for us to think that it's a pregnancy, I think it might be our trigger shot because that also has HCG in it. Mm, So I tested that out. So I had to keep testing and getting these like positive pregnancy tests, which were, it was awful. It's kind of a mind fuck, right? Oh, totally is. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, is is this pregnancy or is this the shot? But long story short, it was not pregnancy, but February of the next month or that that next month was February. We went in to see her and she said, well, you know what? You're, you're looking good. Let's do it again. And I thought already. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yes, if you can, we were paying out of pocket for the medications too, because my insurance was not covering the infertility medications, which were okay. specific. I was doing letrozole and then Avadril, I think mm-hmm. it might've been called for triggering. Okay. It was all out of pocket. She's like, if you guys are good to go, let's do it. And we were just like, this is way cheaper than IVF. We're doing it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so February, um, I have this all written down because spoiler, yeah. alert, Feb- February was the, was the lucky month, <laughs> just okay. two months of medicated cycles. Got um, it. was, it was crazy. So that February I went in and did the letrozole, I had monitoring every single day. And instead of having a ton of follicles, I only had four, which the doctor at first was thinking, hmm, something has changed here. You only have four, which Mm -hmm. normally you have like 12. And I thought, oh, great. Like this is, here we go. Like Mm -hmm. now we're going down another roller coaster. Right. And she said, no, this might be a good thing. So we continued with that round. And for some reason, taking that medication that time made me so sick, so Mm. bloated, so just uncomfortable. And, um, I went back in for monitoring and she said, Oh, you, um, you surged on your own. You, we, you have the trigger shot, but you don't need to use it. You've already ovulated. And I'm like, wow. Oh, we missed it. (laughs) You know, like, oh no. Uh And she said, no, 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 no. Go home, do what you do. Right. And do that dance girl. Yeah. I would have been like, can I get my money back too for that trigger shot, please? Yes. Right. (laughs) Can I, can I return that to the pharmacy, please? Totally. So after that happened, we went back the next day. She drew blood work just to make sure 100% that that surge was gone, that I had ovulated. And then it was, you know, the two week wait, which everybody dreads. Yeah. Horribly. How did you get through it? Work pretty much mm-hmm. <laughs> work and, and a lot of TV <laughs> yes. um, because anything I could do to distract my mind yeah. uh, definitely helped being on my phone did not help because yes. I would start Googling things. And I also had a really good friend um, who we were trying at the same time for a while and she got pregnant right after mm. I had had the miscarriage and it was hard at first. It was, it was hard to communicate with her because she had already had her baby, but she also understood so much about what I was going through because she had also experienced a loss previously. Right. So I was able to kind of confide in her and say, you know, I just can't get this off my mind. And she would start talking to me about like, 
the bachelor or the bachelorette. That's what or, I was going to say know. was the TV yeah. that we always recommend at fertility rally. We're yeah. like, watch the bachelor, watch yes. like the housewives, like British yep. baking show, like anything like, <laughs> to get, yes. it's like mindless. Yes. I call it a brain break. Like totally. after work, I always want a brain break. Give me something I don't have to think mm-hmm. about. So that's what we did. And the crazy thing is about seven or eight days after that, I was at work and I went to the restroom and I was spotting mm. and I just thought, no, nah, this is it. Like if I was pregnant, I'm not anymore, even yeah. that week. And so I called my nurse who, like I said, I loved, I loved them. And I called them and I said, I think this is it. I'm spotting. And she said, oh my goodness, no, you this, this could be implantation. Don't, don't count yourself out yet. And their big thing too, with my nurse was our mindset. So she was always, always, always trying to tell me to have a positive mindset Mm -hmm. and think, you know, think about what your future could be and try not to be down in the dumps and so much easier said than done. It is. And it's hard to toe that line between like the toxic positivity and then like the nervousness and, you know, you're like, am I going to jinx it if I don't think positively, but then you're like, but realistically, no, I'm not, you know? So it's like, Mm -hmm. some people don't want to be positive and I get that too, Uh, depending on what you've gone through. Yes. And then I was thinking, well, I don't want to think too much about it and then get my hopes up because I've already felt the, you know, what it feels like when your hopes are let down. Mm -hmm. So I definitely didn't want that, but the doctor actually said, okay, based on your history, you had low progesterone. I am um, sending progesterone suppositories to the pharmacy. You need to pick them up and start them tonight. And I'm like, okay, sure. Mm -hmm. And did that. And so it was 10 days after, you know, the official ovulation, Um, my nurse said, okay, uh, you need to take a test today. So I got up super early in the morning and I took a test and it was the faintest of faint line that you have ever seen. We call that a squinter. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Totally a squinter. You've got your phone on doing different filters. I was like going crazy. And my husband was already at work. He gets up super early to go to work. And so I called him and I said, I'm going to send you this picture. I think there might be a line there. And he said, oh no, we did this last month with the trigger. And I said, but I didn't do a shot. I didn't do a trigger shot. So if, if there is a line, it's not from that. Right. And so we were squinting at that picture. I mean, for hours because nothing was open yet. I had woke up so early and I swear it was there. And so I called my nurse and she's like, okay, come in at 7am for your blood work. That's the very first slot we have. I went in they called me just a couple hours later. That's what I loved about this place too, is they were so on top of it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, your level is 7.4. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's above five. I'm totally pregnant. You uh-huh. know, uh-huh. <laughs> because before my doctor was like, it has to be five okay. or above. Right. And so I remember like literally screaming at the nurse being like, oh my gosh, it's above five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she goes, it is, it is. She said, but it's low. Okay. So we we have to be again. Yeah. Yeah. She's like right now bask in that feeling, right. We're going to have you come back in, in two days. I'm like, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. I can do this. Like two days is definitely shorter than two weeks. So long story short, I went back 
And it ended up going up to like 38. Oh, wow. And then I was like, okay, we're, we're getting somewhere. Getting somewhere. Yes. And then it went up to 121 and then 374. And I was like, okay, I'm totally pregnant. I'm, I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. And they said, you are, this is great. It's doubling, but your numbers are still so low. You know, and at that point, when I had gotten the three, the 300 one, they said they were looking more for above 600. Mm-hmm. And I was just, you know, Googling everything of low beta numbers. Can this still be a healthy pregnancy? And, right. Success stories. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. And you can find everything you ever wanted to find. You yeah. Know? The good and the find. bad, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. But I, you know, we held out, we definitely waited and waited and waited. And finally my doctor said, okay, at five weeks and five days, I was able to come in for an ultrasound and let's see where you stand. Because after the 374 number, she stopped doing the betas. And I said, okay, sounds good. And we saw a little heartbeat and a little fetal pole. Yes. Oh my God. So it was amazing. <laughs> we yes. were, all of us were crying. My nurse who had been talking Aww. to me, she's crying. I'm crying. My husband's crying. And I just remember thinking this has been two years in the making and I cannot believe it's my, like my ultrasound right there has a baby in it because right. I had had so many sinking ultrasounds with nothing. Right. <laughs> so it was absolutely amazing. Completely. Um, oh, oh my gosh. Feeling so that even to this day, I can still remember. But, right. Exactly. So I know that you said that you also like, we'll talk to anybody on the street talking about your miracle baby. Oh my so gosh. Tell me totally, why you think it's so important totally. to share this story and talk about what you went through. Yeah. So, well, there is one part, Allie, I'm sorry, I forgot. Okay. So I got the, okay for my doctor to do the ovulation or, you know, the obvi- I ovulated on my own. When we went home that night and we were supposed to do our baby dance, I had ordered this at home IUI, what's it called? Device. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. So this is interesting too, because I-, I Googled it before we were recording to see if they still made it. It's called the stork. Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, like I said, Googled everything to try to help. And basically it's this um, device where your husband either wears this it basically looks like a thick condom, really. That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And that you either wear that and have intercourse and, you know, he does this thing or he just does his thing and, you know, make sure it's in the device. Okay. Then you insert that piece all the way up to your cervix. And it was the craziest thing we've ever done because it's not romantic. No. It's not like baby making. You think it should be. Right, exactly. <laughs> totally not. Yes. My husband absolutely hated it. I'm sure. But we got pregnant that month. Mm-hmm. So I was like, was it the stork? That's why I keep calling it. I mean, that's oh. what it's called. But I keep saying, oh my goodness, the stork. Yes. And my husband's like, well, I don't know because, you know, you have to do it between a certain amount of time. So we don't know if the night that we used the stork was the night or if it was before or after. Interesting. <laughs> it was the craziest, the craziest thing we've probably ever done to actually try to have a baby besides mm-hmm. just normal, you know, I say normal, but I say normal very lightly because 
everything you do to try to have a baby is not necessarily, (laughs) it's not necessarily always normal. When I brought that, you like ordered online. When that came in the mail, he's like, okay, you've officially lost it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's so relatable. Oh my God. Yes, totally. He thought I was crazy. So, um, but yeah, so that was the same month that we ended up finding out that, you know, we were pregnant. Uh So, and you know, going back to your question about why I just, I feel like everybody on the street ends up talking to me people in stores definitely come up to me and will say, do you like this? Do you think that this is cute? And I don't know <laughs> You're if just, I you just, have an approachable face. I guess. Yeah. My husband always says that he's like, you are total opposite of me because I always tell him he has resting bitch face because <laughs> he just walks around and people turn the other way. Uh-huh. <laughs> but when I'm by myself or sometimes when I'm with him, people always want to talk to me. Uh-huh. I'm definitely a talker anyways, but there's a lot of people in my life who I've come across that I feel the need for some reason. I feel this drive to share about um, my son's name is TJ. Uh-huh. Oh, and cute. I feel, <laughs> thank you. He's a, he's a junior, but we call him TJ. Mm-hmm. And I just feel this drive to tell him, tell them about this miracle that we have, because that month that we got pregnant, the doctor, even though I love her, she was very honest. And she said, with his numbers this month, your chance of conceiving is about 1%. And I mm-hmm. thought, well, that's not zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's what we all tell ourselves, right? Exactly. Like, it's not zero. It's 1%. Right. And he's our 1% and he's our miracle baby. All right, guys, thank you so much. And thanks so much to Bree for sharing her story. As always, guys, if you're looking for community and you want to connect with people who get it, definitely check out fertilityrally.com and on Instagram at Fertility Rally. This is a place I wish I had when I was going through it. It's an incredible community, over 300 strong, all over the world, all over the country. And everybody is there to listen to you, answer your questions, lift you up and all the things. So definitely check us out. You are not alone, no matter what you're going through. We would love for you to join our family at Fertility Rally. And I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Thanks.